So, as I mentioned to you earlier, we have, uh, or I, in, in the profession that I'm at now, I deal with a lot of students. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've students ask all the time about emotional energy, physical energy. Sometimes they're feeling spiritually drained, emotionally sure, drained. Sure. And for me, a lot of it has to do with training your body. Uh -huh. It has, also has to do with training your body through nutrition. Okay. So in general, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing. Because on your website, yeah, yeah. you're a martial artist. Yeah. You also train people. Sure. So how did that kind of come about and why do you do it? So look, uh, I got into martial arts as a kid because my dad put me in martial arts because I came home complaining that kids were beating me up. <laughs> and, and I was like, Dad, you got to go talk to the principal. Mm. And dad was like, no son of mine is going to come home like this. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not talking to your principal. Mm. And so <laughs> he put me in uh, martial arts classes. Okay. And so, you know, come a year later, my dad's getting called from the principal that I'm beating up the kids. <laughs> uh, now, the thing is, for me, now, specifically martial arts, now, this, the evolution of what I've learned about it, a lot of times people confuse sport with exercise and fitness. And the two are very different things. And, and to be clear, if they were the same thing, then you wouldn't see athletes doing training outside of the sport. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You do training and you engage in fitness and strength training and personal development in that <laughs> regard so that you can do the sport better. So you can excel in the sport. Yes. Mm. So, or whatever the activity is, sure. uh, you can replace the word sport with life, right? So, because life is a sport and you want to be winning at, at it. So, um, so, I mean, that's the philosophy behind it. So the question that comes into play now is when it comes to your training, mm -hmm. It really comes down to standards. What are the standards that you're following? And so one of the things that I found, which was very helpful, uh, is looking at, for me, so my mom, she suffers from arthritis, mm. right? And at the same time, whenever you see anybody who's elderly, they have a lot of issues, mm. right? Whether it be diabetes, heart disease, and all of these things. And it's like, and like, I'm like, how, like, this sucks, right? I don't want that at all. And so the question and thought that came to my mind is like, well, what's the number one reason why people get entered into senior living facilities? Mm. Which, by the way, was one of the things that in the storage industry, we mm. saw that a lot of folks, when they got transitioned into senior living, they had to put their stuff into storage, mm. right? So turned out the number one reason is because they cannot perform basic functions of life Amongst which, the most important, is getting up and off the toilet. Well, is this because of arthritis specifically? No, it's just weak, uh, atrophy, just atrophy. Their, their muscles get weak. Okay. Right? And so they get weak. And so they need to put, they need either need to be, have service sent to them, or they be placed in a facility that has a service available so that they can have the help needed. Mm. Now, I'm just looking at that normally, like physically. To get up off the toilet means you should be able to lift up your body weight using your legs. Right. Right. That's basic. Mm. And so, and one of the interesting things in strength standards across various sports, including mm. marsh, different various martial arts, is that, a and this is something that's a standard of basic human living, even in the third world, quote unquote, is to be able to get up and down off the ground on one leg. Essentially, wow. mm. you're able to lift double your body weight using two legs. Wow, okay. That's a basic strength, mm. strength standard that's used across the board. 
one of the things that many coaches are like, look, get to double your body weight lift using your legs, then you can dominate whatever lower body focused sport. Sure. Uh, like you'll be good at it. Sure. And it's just a matter of learning the technique. Same principle applies to upper body, mm. right? And can you get up and off the ground or up and over an obstacle? Use like in terms of can you move your entire body weight, right? You're trying to scale a wall. You're trying to push something off you, mm. push someone off you. Essentially, at the end of the day, it becomes down to strength standards. And in my education, I really learned that it's really two things, upper body and lower body, push and pull on uh, in the upper body, push and pull in the lower body, which really comes down to a pull-up, a press, a squat, and a deadlift. So the essentials. These are the four movements you need to master. Mm. If you got these and you can hit those standards of being able to lift your double body weight using your legs, lift your whole body weight using your upper body, then you'll be able to dominate whatever sport that uh, <laughs> we got a bug flying around. Mosquito flying around. And so, but yeah, you'll be able to dominate whatever sport that, or whatever, like sport of life name in general. The, name the four again. So the, the four are the mm -hmm. deadlift, the squat, mm -hmm. which is, so the deadlift is a pull exercise. Sure. Because you're using your hamstrings. Sure. And the squat is a push exercise. You're using your quads. Sure. In both cases, you're also engaging your glutes. Sure. And, uh, and with the upper body, it's your press, okay. which you can look at as the bench press, the shoulder, shoulder press, mm. the push-up, and the other one is your pull-up or chin-up. Sure. So that's basically it. So you have that component where it's sport-specific or it's movement-specific. It's yeah. something that keeps the integrity of life, right? Sure. What about the motivation that goes into it? Because what, what I find is something that I repeat to the younger generation all the time, especially the inactive ones. Yeah. It's unfortunate that they usually like to learn uh, through disaster, right? In the sense that an injury has to occur okay. or something has to happen later on in life for them yeah. to have said, I should have. So what about the motivation in terms of doing these things and starting them early on? Look, it's, I mean, when you say starting early on, it's, it's never too late to start. Right. There's this myth that after you become an adult, you're not going to be able to grow, which is not true at all. Right. In fact, you can continue to put on muscle mass and strength and everything well into your uh, late adulthood. Mm. It's just that the older you get, your growth becomes slower. That's it. So at, and at the same time, what that means is your recovery takes a little bit longer. So you adapt slower and you recover slower. Yeah. I mean, what it, recovery is, adaptation. adaptation. Okay. It's one and the same. Sure. So uh, that's the only difference, but that doesn't mean that there's still progress capable of being made the advantage that you have at a younger age that you can go beat the crap out of yourself and then <laughs> recover right faster meaning you can treat yourself terribly mm. eat all the messed up foods and then finally when it's time to straighten up you can straighten up okay so that makes sense but i mean in terms of the motivation that's required like why do what are the benefits that you have gotten from training so you've mentioned sports specific or getting better at sports, et cetera. Look, everybody's motivation is different, right? right. It, 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 you talk about in terms of what would drive an individual to take a particular action, to take, you know, to really live, win at life. Right. Essentially, that's what it's all about. It's right. about winning at life. And, you know, there's really four types of people, right? In terms of personality. Sure. Right. You've got people, if you tell them what to do with clarity, mm. they'll do it. Right. Those people are easy. You have other types of people who question everything. Right. That's like myself. Mm. Right. If you have to explain to them the justification of, okay, we're telling you to do this. Why? But here's why. Right. Exactly. Here's the benefit that you get out of it. Then you have other people 
right? And these are the kind of people you need to hold accountable. Sure. They need someone to beat them with a stick or threaten them with being beat with the stick because if somebody doesn't hold them accountable, they're not going to do it. However, these same people, they're excellent at doing things for other people. Okay. But when it comes to doing things for themselves, they need somebody to hold them accountable. But then there's a fourth type, Mm. which is the opposite of the first one, where if you tell them what to do, they'll do the exact opposite. (laughs) They're your rebels, right? And so now granted, everybody's got a little bit of each one in them, but everybody's predominantly one of these things. So it depends on the individual. If you're a rebel, then you can't tell them what to do. You just got to be like, look, this is your choice. Like, look, you, you do what you want. That's fine. You'll end up in a senior living facility and that's your choice. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. That's what you want. That's okay. Right. Or you can be really strong and healthy and no. <laughs> so from the four categories and even from your own experience and you're a trainer, you've trained yeah. people. What are some of the benefits that you find people uh, finding? So for example, you, you find a new client. Yeah. You start training them. Uh, confidence. Look, it, it, it also depends on why, like, it also, you talk about the reason for them doing something. Like, you tell them to do it, but they still have a reason. Right. Right? Some people, for most people, it's the, it's the source of vanity. Right? It's not a bad thing. Right. It's fine. They want to look good. You know? Strong is the new sexy right. kind of thing. Um, for guys, is to get big. For girls, is to get tone. Right. Right? It's all, it's all the whole vanity thing. They want to lose weight kind of thing. Mm. And that's fine. And, and that's great short-term stuff. Right. But there is a class of people whom if they tie their motivation and their reason for taking any action to a performance thing. Right. Like I want to be able to do. So, for example, with my wife, she wants to be able to do a body weight pull up. Okay. Right. Like that's a performance metric that she wants to be able to achieve. Everything else can go to hell. Right. But got to get to that body weight pull up. And that's her incentive. That those, right. That's what's driving her. Yeah. Okay. Now, for her sister, mm-hmm. her motivation is, oh, I'm getting married. Right? I want to lose as much weight as I can until the wedding day. I want to look good for the wedding day. And for most 99% of women, that's enough. Sure. Now, she's also the kind of person that needs to be held accountable. Uh, okay. Right? So, mm-hmm. if my wife and I are going out to the gym and we don't tell her, hey, we're leaving, get ready, then she'll probably go to sleep. Interesting. So that's the difference. For me, I'm also very performance metric based. Sure. For me, it was like, okay, I know that's a strength standard. I want to be able to get to double my body weight deadlift, double my body weight squat, double uh, and be able to do a pull up, not even just a pull up. I want to be able to do a muscle up. Right. And so like each time I hit those goals, I'm like, okay, what's the next one? Mm. Right. What's the next performance metric that I'm seeking to perform? Mm. So that's what motivates me. Sure. And ultimately, it just comes down to the individuals. Like, why are they doing it? Are they doing it to avoid pain, which works for some? Are you doing it to uh, get pleasure in another area? It works for some people. Are you doing it because you simply want the option? Sure. You have multiple options. Um, You can achieve that. Maybe you want to perform better at a particular sport. Like somebody's into, let's say, basketball. They want to be a better basketball player for recreation. But so for that, they train. Other people are just like, well, if you don't do it, then, uh, then you're not going to get your cookie. So I want to concentrate on the vanity part because that's, sure. that's an area of focus for me. Okay. So in my area of uh, expertise, I guess leadership and value-based training, I just find that when people do things for superficial uh, reasons like vanity, yeah, 
it's great short term like you mentioned. Yeah. But then the the principles that would keep you going long term are not necessarily there. And what we talked about social media earlier o- offline. Yeah. Uh, it being a generation now of uh, validation. Sure. So sometimes you post things online because you're looking for validation. Okay. It's great. You might you may still get the same result in terms of you're losing the weight. Uh, you may be on a diet which is making you feel healthy. Okay. But I, I feel like when you're looking for external val- validation over internal validation, yeah, it just doesn't work out long term. I mean, here's the reality, right? Right. To any millennial that's listening to this, nobody cares about you. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Right. Nobody cares. You can delete your entire social media presence mm-hmm. right now, and maybe one or two friends be like, "Hey, where'd you go?" Mm. But outside of that, nobody will have lost a moment's sleep. For the reality that you disappeared. That's very hard for them to hear. I, and it's the truth. Right. And I can tell you personally, I have deleted everything. Uh-huh. And all I heard was crickets. <laughs> Maybe not even crickets. Maybe they left. Like, like, like it was just like one, one, one or two of my friends was like, hey, I haven't seen you online for a while. Oh, yeah. Wait, where'd your Facebook go? Mm. Like, so n- the, nobody in the world cared. Mm. Which to me was humbling. Mm. Because it's like. At the end of the day, people don't care about you. Right. They care about the value that you have potentially to give. But even in that, that value, it always is from the perspective of the individual, what's in it for me. Mm. So if you're looking for validation through what other people say or do, good luck. It's interesting that you brought up another point. Uh, So another tendency that is pretty common amongst millennials is narcissism. Okay. I just feel like they go hand in hand, validation, narcissism. But from your experience in training and marketing and everything that you do, yeah, what needs to happen in somebody's life to kind of get over themselves? Look, I don't think narcissism is a bad thing. Sure. Right? I think narcissism is a human thing. It's natural. Everybody lo- loves to look at themselves in the mirror. Sure. Okay? Whether it be critically or with admiration. <laughs> it's it's true. Right. Right? Like, look at the way that women look at each other, look, look at themselves in the mirror. Mm. Right? And how they put makeup on in terms of like, and how they uh, admire themselves at the work that they did with guys. Mm. Like ever see a guy shaping up? Like it, it, yeah, not yeah. only that, just like the way that they shape up, uh, oh, like you know, their the beard, facial, yeah. facial hair, mm. maybe giving themselves a haircut, but the way they look at themselves. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's yeah. natural. There's mm. n- And I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. Right. At the same time, one wants to share the beauty that one has um, and the aesthetics that one have with the world. And that's fine too. Just also balance that with the reality that nobody cares. <laughs> it's, it's true. Right. We brought up an interesting point earlier. So you have a unique spin on things because marketer and then in the evenings, trainer, martial artist. Yeah. I brought up a point to you earlier. Um, so you have a channel on YouTube. Yeah. What can you name it again? So for the fitness stuff, right? Yeah. It's called strength innate. Okay. And yeah, go ahead. No, good. Uh, well, yeah, it's like I was going to say, yeah, uh, Strength in Eight and my five f- subscribers. Amongst them is me, my wife, her my sister in law. <laughs> I mean, well, my sister in law, her sister, yeah. uh, and maybe two other people that I don't know. And I'll be the sixth one. Sure. So I brought up a point to you earlier about the fact that your content, and this has nothing to do with nutrition or training. Yeah. Content looks amazing. Yeah. Typography, the captions, the marketing side is really good. Yeah. But you don't have many subscribers. Right. And you brought up a point about a sandbox. Yeah. So this, for me, both my personal YouTube channel right. and even the Strength Innate stuff. And mind you, Strength Innate stuff is like maybe a week old mm-hmm. um, It uh, as of this recording. Now, my YouTube channel is my play place. Sure. Like you were talking about narcissism. 
right? It's for me to document mm. what I do. But you're but you're also not going after viewers. So in a way, it could be narcissistic, but you're not in it necessarily for attracting people, right? right. I mean, it's for me, I'm having fun. Right. Right? It's like mm. me playing with toys and somebody's like, yo, check out my toys. That's what it is. <laughs> right. But it's like, I'm not going to take my toys mm. and like, come look at my toys. Come look at my toys. Why aren't you looking at my toys? Right. Like, it's not like, this is my sandbox. Mm. You want to come play? You're more than welcome to. Mm. Right? But at the same time, it's like, it's my sandbox. You're going to do what you want. Exactly. So I'm not going to, we're not going to prolong this much longer, but... I find you pretty unique because uh, you're from a community mm -hmm. where, as I mentioned to you earlier, that training and maybe fitness is not giving much prudence at this point. Or would you disagree with that? Well, it depends. I mean, I, I don't I mean, I don't consider myself to be part of any particular community. Sure. Right. Uh, and part of it has to do with the fact that I grew up all over the place. Sure. Right. Growing up, even as a kid, nine different elementary schools, um, born in India, when was in New York, grew up in New Jersey, worked in New York and New Jersey, then D.C., I moved, uh, uh, I've had three different jobs in D.C. Then I came to Houston, working as a freelancer. Uh, and even in Houston, I was in Clear Lake, which is the, the boonies. <laughs> then I moved to actual Houston, mm. right? So, like, I've been around so many places, so I don't have any particular community that I say that this is my community. Eth uh, what I mean is ethnically, you're Indian. Sure. Uh, you're overtly American, and I mean that in a good way. Uh -huh. uh, entrepreneurial, you have some great ideas. But what I find fascinating is that you've balanced everything so well. You have a great uh, day job. Sure. You have a unique evening life. Uh -huh. And on your videos, you're training, you're motivating, you're inspiring, you're training your wife and yeah. your sister-in-law. Yeah. It's just so fascinating to me that you don't find many people doing this from your type of uh, diverse background. Sure. What makes you not care? Because at the end of the day, it's 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 my life. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Like, in among the Daisy community, right? And right. What, what do you mean by Daisy? So, for those of you who are not familiar with, so essentially, Daisy is a linguistically, colloquially comes from the term Daisy, which means the homeland. Mm -hmm. So, and essentially, when one says Daisy and homeland, they're referring to the subcontinent region of India. So right? India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Sure, Sri Lanka, maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, and and whatever else is associated with that. So anybody from that region of the world that comes to America, and this is not exclusive to them, by the way. Sure. This is a common, this idea of, um, in Hindi, they say, lo kya kahenge, mm. right? Which translates to, uh, what will the people say, right? Right. Now, this is a general thing, and I, and I don't believe it's exclusively Desi. Right. But my family didn't grow up like that. Sure. Right. Part of it is because, my family is one of the few family members from our, from India that actually made it out here. Mm. Whereas many other communities of folks have a lot of different, uh, they have a lot of family of immigrants like Pakistanis and Hyderabadis and whatever ethnic group is there. They have a lot of family members. Sure. For us, it was like, we're it. And so we really didn't have the luxury of wondering about what people are going to say because we're hustling and struggling and surviving. You had to make it. Yeah, we just had to make mm -hmm. it hell with what anyone says. And so my parents were just like, look, uh, I'll give you a simple story, sure. right? <laughs> this is the attitude that my parents have had, and mm -hmm. I think it's kind of uh, rubbed off on me. Uh, so my mom, she had a friend come over one time. Now my mom, she's somebody who is very crafty. Mm -hmm. I think I get that from her in the sense of like, she wants to decorate the house. She'll make her curtains. She'll 
pinch pennies and save but she's also very talented in her uh tailoring and things mm -hmm. so she made these curtains they look beautiful okay so this friend was then coming and visiting again at another time several you know some i don't know how long it was but it was a while later and then she goes uh oh you still have those curtains i was like yeah and she was proud of it right because mm. they're good quality curtains they last a while and then she goes uh how come you haven't changed it and my mom's like why and she goes well because they're old mm. <laughs> my dad's response later he goes well, her husband is old. Why doesn't she change him? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, my dad couldn't give two cents for what she thought. Mm. At the end of the day, like for them, those curtains made her happy. So you guys were not looking for external validation. And couldn't care less for it. We couldn't care less. Mm. So, and that's kind of the thing that my parents instilled in me. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's like, who cares? So what do you say to all the young people and even the older people who yeah. just... They want to change. They want to do. Yeah. They want to train. Maybe they're self-conscious. Maybe they think they're too fat or they're too thin. Look, at the end of the day, and this is, um, I think a lot of these perspectives have been able to be articulated only later in life. Like, you know, the way you perceive the world in your 20s is different how you perceive the world in the 30s. And so at the end of the day, like maybe in high school, you worry about what your friends and are going to say now for me, because I went to so many different schools, I didn't care because I knew I was going to make new friends. Right. So I was always comfortable being who I was mm. for the most part. And then even when I went to college, a whole new group of people. So I didn't have to fake it. Sure. Right. I'm just going to be me. Take it or leave it. Right. Um, it's a very comfortable way to live because everybody has challenges in life that they're dealing with. Why should you have to throw on top of a, on top of it all? this whole facade that you're trying to maintain because if you try to maintain the facade then a lot of energy is being expended there's more important things in life to look at that the question is do you have anything important that you're focusing on because if you're not then maybe it's about time you do consider something so it's not only authentic it's practical because yeah you're not expounding that energy like you should be authentically narcissistic mm, i like that you can coin that yeah Actually, one of the, well, I have a book idea. <laughs> Talk, yeah, you, yeah. So on your website, there's a mention to a book that's coming out. So here's the thing. I, I, I got started on this idea of, it's what started off as a personal challenge to me. Can I produce content every day for 30 days straight using nothing but my phone? This is back in 2013. Okay. And part of it was to be like, you know what? I've gotten so much into the weeds of technology and gear and whatnot. I can use it. I know I use it, but I don't know what the challenge. I forgot what it's like to be someone who doesn't know how to use anything. Mm. Right. So I was like, I put myself in that position. I'm going to limit myself to only the phone. How would I make the best kind of content video that I can? So for 30 days, I started using my phone at the time. And you got like in 2013, whatever the limitations sure. were, you right. had to deal with it. Uh, after I completed 30 videos of there of that, there are a couple of blogs that reached out. Hey, we love your content. Can you can you contribute some stuff? Sure. So uh, one of those blogs, I said, yeah, sure. So I put myself into another 30 days um, to produce more content, a little bit better quality. I did that. At the end of the day, I had like 60 videos. I'm like, you know what? Let me see if I could make it 100 just mm -hmm. because the number sounds cool. Not even 100, 101. And I did that, but a long number, like, I don't know, 70 or 80, I just kind of fell off because okay. I lost interest. Mm -hmm. But then Periscope came out which mm -hmm. was this uh, uh, live streaming service. Mm -hmm. So I resumed that, like, let me hit that arbitrary number of 101 mm -hmm. with Periscope, and I did, and I went beyond it. 
all of a sudden I saw a theme emerging. And the thing is, I, part of the theme that emerged what came out of the reality of the fact that at the time I was separated from my wife at the time and then later divorced. And so there's a lot of emotions that I was just kind of like internally working through sure. self-reflection, mm -hmm. lessons that I was learning. And, and people were, I guess, benefiting from that because they had similar experiences that they have gone through that. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to write a book, compile all this content, arrange it and some, somehow figure it out. And when I compiled everything together, it was like over a hundred thousand words. Whoa. Yeah. It was like a mm. year of vlogging over a year of vlogging came out to be about a hundred thousand words. And I was like, dang, yo, like, how am I going to edit this thing? Like, mm. and how, and I don't know like what, like, how am I going to do it? Mm. Is, is it just the random vlog that I just republished? So, uh, I had a client who was a, uh, bestselling book. He had a couple of bestselling books. Okay. And so I asked his advice. I'm like, look, I'm helping promote you. That's cool. Uh, but let me, let me also get some advice on what you have for me. And so he said, all right, let me take a look at your manuscript or at least your table of contents. So he took a look at it and he's like, dude, you got like seven books here. Like, it's not just one book. You got seven books here. Man. And I'm like, okay, like, how do you mean? And he basically told me, cause from his experience, he's like, look, people, when they read books on Amazon, most of them are reading on Kindle. Right. And as a result, most of these people, they like to finish their book within an hour to three hours. So if your if your book is between, you know, uh, anywhere between 10,000 to 25,000 words, that is a book that you can read in about an hour to two hours. Interesting. And so a couple with the fact that you got to make your book focused, like you're all over the place here because you're exploring a whole bunch of things. Mm. But it, you can coalesce and uh, chunk your, the content of your book into various different books. And in fact, I actually came up uh, uh, now as a marketer. I went ahead and uh, I decided, you know what, I am going to just go ahead and uh, come up with uh, the titles for these books. Okay. Right. And so the titles that I came up with, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pull it up right now. So one of them is, uh, uh, so the initial book was called Identity After Divorce. Mm. And that was the main title. And then from there, uh, it was something, uh, the subtitle went on along the lines of um, how to regain your sense of self after your marriage has ended. Mm. And so very focused. And, uh, but then even from that, that was like still 50,000 words. And it was just like, yeah, you got, you got to get it more focused. Mm. Like how much more can you, uh, can you go down? So I started pulling books out and among them was, uh, so I have one here, uh, supercharge me unapologetically caffeinated 10,000 words on tea, coffee, and supplements that keep us slaving. Right. I got another one called Muslim bacon, the spiritual <laughs> side of building booty and getting gains. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I have uh, a strategic binging, how oh, to get man. more done in less time and still do the things you want. <laughs> I would think I'm talking to five different people, man. Right. I got doom domes preparing for the coming collapse of American mosques. Uh, I've got uh, uh, among them is uh, humble brag, promoting yourself while being authentically narcissistic. Right. I got um, so uh, these are just some of the things that some of the titles that have come out of it. Um, so that's just uh, like that's how the book has gone. So it's just a matter of now like finding the appropriate energy to focus onto one of these. Uh, and so right now I'm focusing on doom domes, the coming collapse of American mosque, okay. which is going to be a really tight book. Um, and I, th I think it's one of those things that we could probably finish reading in about an hour. So I'm a fan of yours and I want to find out more about you. Mm -hmm. Where can I learn about you? Where can I see some of your fitness crazes or who you're training or what you're training with. Sure, sure. Look, in regards to fitness stuff, just type in strength innate okay. on YouTube. It's also the same thing on Instagram. Okay. So S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-I-N-N-A-T-E. 
And uh, you can see the stuff on Instagram. I post semi-regularly. Well, it's my wife and sister-in-law's job to be posted on Instagram because <laughs> uh, they're better with that stuff, sure. more regular. Um, uh, I'll, I do most of the YouTube stuff. And, um, and basically right now, again, that's also a sandbox. Sure. Um, the YouTube channel is just there to follow and document their journey as well as my own. Right. And uh, and for me, one of the things I also like to showcase, um, you know, going along with the thing that people are looking for, like a lot of times people want to lose weight. Mm. Like it's very simple. In fact, it, it is. It's truly very simple. Uh, what? Do the push away? No. Wait, what? Have you heard of the push, push away exercise? No. What's the push away? You, you push the plate away. Is that the one? Oh, no, no. Okay. I, I, I'm, so I'm very numbers inclined. Okay. Right. Which helps, uh, especially in the area of because uh, our bodies are biological machines. Mm. Right. Granted, it's not like a, a robot where you press one button or you put in a certain amount of stuff and it's exactly that. But it's close to it. Mm. Right. When you have a biological machine, there's there's a thing in the sense of every machine needs fuel and energy to function. Now, if you have excess amount of energy, it's going to convert that to fat. Sure. Right. So part, well, part of it is to know, hey, how much fuel do you really need in your gas tank? Mm. Right. Eat less than that. Mm. Now, if you're talking about measuring progress talking about losing a pound every week. What that means is how many calories is one pound? Answer, mm. 3,500. Okay. So if you put yourself in a caloric deficit of 500 calories per day, which is one less meal, or actually one less half meal, right? For me, a single meal is about 1,000 calories. Okay. All right, it's anywhere between, actually 700 to 1,000 calories for me. So if I'm a 500 calor calorie deficit, then I will be losing a pound a week. Mm. Now, there's also the risk when you're calorically deficient, you also run the risk of losing muscle, muscle. mass. Mm. But here's the reality about muscle. Muscle has two characteristics. One, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. So exercise, continue to go to the gym, work the muscles, follow any training program. Mm. It doesn't matter what training program you follow, follow any strength training program. Right. And so once you do that, you'll be using your muscles. Now, the other thing goes into play is, will you have recovery? Because what is fuel except that is one of three types of nutrition? It's protein, carbohydrates and fats. Mm. But when you consume carbohydrates and fats, both of these sources of fuel, one gram of it is nine calories of energy. Mm. Now, if you are expending more energy than you are consuming, that's not a problem. Protein, on the other hand, is what you call a thermogenic nu nutrient, Okay. meaning your body burns energy to digest it and use it. The reason is every one gram of protein that you consume, you are actually uh, uh, getting only four calories. Interesting. And the reason is because protein are the building blocks of your body and your muscles. Sure. You need protein. Heck, your hair is protein, right? So you need protein to keep you going because your body is regularly reconstructing itself. Just to kind of give you an idea of how much your body is reconstructing itself. All your blood cells, they're completely replaced every 90 to 100 days, mm. right? So in three months or three and a half, four months, no blood cell is older than three months. Wow. Same time, myofascial tissue, which is all your interconnected tissue that connects between your skin, your bones, your tendons, ligaments, muscles, holds your body together, right? That stuff replaces itself every seven months. Mm. So if you're talking about gaining mobility, you know, untightening yourself from sitting in a seated position mm -hmm. for eight hours a day, you know, seven, five days a week throughout 52 weeks out, out of the year, 
then give yourself seven months. Your body will replace all that myofascial tissue. Just tear through it um, through mobility exercises and whatnot. Muscle systems, right? Whether it be your fast twitch, slow twitch, middle twitch, however many kind of twitches, muscles that you have, mm-hmm. your uh, the dense fibers and not so dense, any, whatever, regardless of what it is, your muscle cells replace themselves every uh, two to three years. Mm. So if you're talking about a full body muscular transformation, wow. two to three years, you have wow. a timeline. Mm. Now your bones, talk about healing, structure, uh, you know, uh, calcifying, densing, um, strengthening. Mm-hmm. Your bone cells replace themselves every 10 years. So literally every decade you have about a, you have a whole new body. Wow. So understanding that your body is in a continuous cycle of reconstruction, you need the protein and calcium and all of these other foods to uh, ensure that. Wow. So once you know that cycle, understand that you need protein. The question comes up to how much protein, right? Because people are like, oh, you got to have your protein. You got to have your protein right after your workout. Mm. I subscribe to the reality that you need, you should be consuming your lean body mass in grams of protein daily if you want to maintain that lean muscle mass. So if you weigh 160 pounds? Let's say, you, let, 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 let's say you're 160 pounds, mm-hmm. but your lean body mass minus your fat and all sure, that sure. Uh, is say 145. Okay. Then you should be consuming 145 grams of protein day. every day. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to gain muscle mass, then try to consume more than that. Mm. And if you want to gain muscle mass, rule of thumb is just consume your body ma- weight in grams of protein. Mm. So somebody's 200 pounds, body weight, aim to consume 200, pounds of, uh, 200 grams of protein. But that's the thing. So if you hit your protein numbers and you stay calorically under mm-hmm. and you're exercising, mm-hmm. like anywhere between four to six months, you have a full, you'll, you'll be transformed. Full body transformation. Yeah. All right. Bilal Khan, everybody, this is the Waller way. We talked about being introspective, being a narcissist. <laughs> Authentically narcissistic. Authentic narcissist. Um, we talked about a lot of things, marketing, strength training, awesome guy. B-E-L-A-L-K-H-A-N.com. Yep. And he gave you his social media feed, which oh, is? Uh, uh, well, it's uh, Bilal Khan Social. Okay. Um, anything, YouTube, Facebook, whatnot. But uh, if you guys want a preview of the book, you can just go to my website and you can get a link from there. Get a preview of his book, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, five personalities in one. He's a jack of all trades. I hate that term. He's not a jack of all trades. Uh, he's authentically. I am a curious adventurist that loves to show people what's possible and inspire them potentially to pursue their own best ideas. A lot of adjectives there. We're not going to repeat them, but you can listen to it on a loop. Thank you again, Bilal. Yes, thank you. And until next time, me. guys, this is the Wallaway. Like, subscribe. See you guys next time. All right, guys. Take care.